0: Well, good morning, church. Uh, I once had a friend say to me, he said, um, my life would be great. And I said, well, what's, what's stopping it from being great? And my friend said, all of the other people. Um, people complicate stuff, right? They have feelings um, that get hurt. They have schedules that, that don't align with mine. They think differently. People just complicate stuff. And sometimes we think, if I could be in charge, life would be good. Uh, Friendships and relationships, um, they're, they're not required for survival. They're not. You can eat and breathe and you can drink and you can live all on your own. You can do it. You do not need people to survive and to remain in existence. And though it's not like we were in solitary confinement, you know, some of the restrictions and isolations we faced a couple years ago show us that. Now, I'm not saying we're healthy for that, but we could survive as human beings without other human relationships. And the fact that we don't need other humans to survive and the fact that other humans at times are messy or complicated or different than us, it may cause us to choose to live a lot of our life on our own without meaningful relationships. So you can survive without them, but you cannot thrive without them, though. We were created to be in relationship. Even in the perfect world of Adam and Eve before sin, when Adam was made, he still had an honest, good longing for someone else. For Eve. Before sin came into the world, he was designed to thrive in a relationship. But the problem is other people... They require stuff of us, of time, of energy, vulnerability, energy. We're already worn out people. We have a job. We have schools, responsibility. We have kids. We have our own emotional baggage. I don't need someone else's emotional baggage to carry. So sometimes maybe you wish some days you wake up that you could be in lockdown that day just for a day. I'm a good driver. It's just all the other drivers are the problem. One of the beautiful and yet one of the hardest things about Christianity is that relationships and friendships are not optional. If you want to love God with everything you got, you have to love people. It's not an option. You have to love your neighbor. There is no such thing as a private, isolated relationship with God because God doesn't deal privately. You can't choose God and reject people. That's not the way of Christ. Jesus has called us to love God and to love our neighbor. And we here at Chippewa Valley Bible Church want to fulfill this purpose. So we're in this kind of unique four-week series looking at what it means as a church, as a body, to love God and love people. And we're looking at three ways that we can love God and love people. Last week we talked about we worship God. Today, we're going to be looking at how we belong to one another, belong to one another. One of the ways that we love God and we love people and we're obedient people is that we belong to each other in this room. So if you want to love God, you're expected to belong. We're going to study just four verses this morning. If you have a Bible, open up to the New Testament in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 19 to 22. It's on page 977, I believe, no, 970, yeah, 977 of those pew Bibles in front of you or below you. Ephesians chapter 2. Once you find that, would you please stand in reverence for the word of the Lord? Let us pray. Father, show us wondrous things in your text this morning. Spirit, help us. Amen. You may be seated. This, these four verses are found in the book of Ephesians, which uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, and he's writing it with what we would call Gentiles in mind, okay? It's a term that we often don't use anymore. But a Gentile in the Bible, in the Bible times, was anyone who was not an Israelite. So if you were born outside of Israel, if you're not the chosen people of God, like in the Old Testament, you are a Gentile, right? The Jews from Israel had a spiritual history. You can read all about it in the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament is the story of God calling a people, a nation, Israel to himself, and offering them blessings like land and security and hope. He chose that nation, right, of Israel. But here in Ephesians, hundreds of years later after that, Paul is writing to Gentiles, people born outside of Israel, and he says that God is no longer focusing his blessing primarily on those born in Israel, but he's offering blessing and salvation and belonging to all people no matter where they were born. So this text right here, Ephesians, is for you and for me, and it's a calling to say that all people are invited to belong to God. But what this text and so much of this New Testament, the second half of the Bible highlights, is that God doesn't save people to have their own individual lives. He saves individuals to belong to a family, to a people, to his new people, the church. So you and I are called, if you're called in salvation, to belong in Christ to one another. So if this has not been clear enough, Christ never imagined a churchless Christianity. If you sign up for the Christian life, you are signing up for the church as well. And in our day and age, this might be a little scary because some churches are unhealthy, some churches might be unbiblical, churches are often have terrible headlines in the news, and some of you I know have had terrible experiences in the church. So I understand your desire. You want Christ, He's the one you can rely upon. Churches fail, churches crumble, churches have all these issues. But this is why we're studying this text today, because we want this church right here, this place, Chippewa Valley Bible Church, to be a place where belonging to each other matches up with what the biblical call is, where truth and experience, where doctrine and actual reality are consistent. Because Jesus says, if you're a Christian, you're part of a church and you need to belong with them. The main point of the sermon and the, and the passage today is this, if you belong to Christ, then you belong to the household of God. So live out that belonging in the church. If you belong to Christ, if you're saved by Christ, then you automatically belong to the household of God. So our responsibility is to live out that belonging live out that reality. We're going to look at this text in two parts, two points today. Um, In verses 19 to 21, um, we're going to see how that if we are in Christ, we belong to other people. And in the second half, we're going to look at a lot of the application of how you live out this belonging, this community church life. So the first point here, if you're taking notes, is salvation in Jesus results in belonging. It's not an option. If you're saved in Jesus, that results in belonging. Look again at verses 19 to 21. Paul says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. What's apparent here is that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you instantly belong to him and his people, the church. Look at all the language here that shows that. When Jesus saves you, he brings you the gift of belonging. And verse 19 says, you become a citizen, you're made a saint, and now you are a member of the household of God. Citizenship, sainthood, household of God. Three images, three metaphors, okay? So first of all, you become citizens. Look at the beginning of verse 19. Before you were a Christian, what were you? A stranger And an alien. Strangers and aliens imply that you are living in a land that you don't belong to. That we did not have a homeland that we could call our own. Strangers to a land don't have a house. But now in Christ, you are a citizen of God's kingdom. As in, you can call God's kingdom home. It is rightfully yours. It's your piece of property. You are in Christ, in God's homeland. But notice that it says you are a fellow citizen, as in you are not the only one. You are joining a citizenship with others in God's kingdom. The second metaphor here is that you are a saint. When you become a Christ, it says you now belong with the saints, the word saint means a holy one. You are made holy, you are made clean and pure in Jesus, and now you are a saint. Your sin is wiped away, you are holy. But again, note that you now have a place with the saints, plural. There's more than one of you. But the third metaphor here is the biggest and most important one that Paul uses in the book of Ephesians. It says that you become, when you join to Jesus, you become a member of the household of God. You become one of the many who belong to God's house. Now by house here, it does not mean like a residential house in your neighborhood that you live and sleep in. By house here, it means the temple of God, where God's presence dwelled in the old Testament. You now become one of the many members who have access to God's presence. You are one of the members of the temple of God. So even in just the wording and the plurality of these metaphors, it shows that once you belong to Jesus, you are belonging to Jesus with many other people. But Paul takes this last metaphor that you are a member of the household of God and he drives it home. Okay, so we're going to picture this throughout the morning. Imagine a temple, imagine a big building. Even just a, a temple built out of cinder blocks, okay? He says in these verses that if you and I, if we're Christians, if we have bowed our knee to King Jesus, we are a cinder block. And we are stacked on top of each other and next to each other to make the household of God. Now we are stacked to each other, next to each other, but what is our foundation that you and I as cinder blocks are on? Firstly, verse 20 says that we are in the foundation of who? The prophets and the apostles. These are the chosen leaders of the early church who spoke the revealed word of God. God spoke to them and they spoke to to us in the New Testament, right? The ones who wrote the New Testament letters like Paul or Peter, the people who God chose to read and write the word of God. So the foundation under our cinder blocks is the word of God. But there's even one greater foundation below that. Did you notice that? In verse 20, it says, who is the cornerstone? It's Jesus. Jesus. So in buildings during this time, the cornerstone was the most important stone of the whole building. It's that one stone that could bear the weight of the entire building, and it tied all the walls together. There's some archaeologists who found some old cornerstones from this time period, and they found one that was 50 feet long, and it weighed 570 tons. So we're to picture Jesus here as the firmest, most solid, most trusting stone that we rely upon. This household of God, this temple being built are metaphors for the church. All Christians everywhere are these cinder blocks. We're each a cinder block. I hope you're encouraged by that today. Your cinder block built on a foundation of the the apostles and the prophets, the Bible, who's built on the foundation of Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate foundation. He, by his spilled blood, has purchased a people to call himself, right? When he sees our sin, he forgives us and makes us righteous. The gospel is what saves us. The gospel is what brings us together. The gospel of Jesus is the foundation that you and I, as a Christian, walk on every day, If we did not walk on the gospel every day, you and I would be condemned already. But there is Jesus who laid the foundation by dying on a cross, by resurrecting for our sin. Now we can walk around knowing we are free of our sin. And that is the solid ground that we stand upon and that our church stands upon. And if you are not a Christian, you are walking on unsolid ground. But only in believing in Jesus does your stance become firm, because Jesus is a cornerstone that can bear the weight of your sin. So this isn't really the point today of the passage, but any church you join, make sure it's built on these two foundations. Jesus Christ as the entire foundation there with the word, the gospel built upon that Go to a place that preaches the Bible and holds the Bible up and go to a church that talks about and preaches and calls people to Jesus. That's what a church and a Christian life is to be built on according to this passage. But what Paul is making clear here is that you cannot be a cinder block on your own and call yourself a building. One cinder block sitting in your yard, if I come over, you can't call that a building. You can't. A stone sitting by itself is not a building. It's not the temple. It's not the household. Instead, one of the results of salvation in Jesus is that he takes you as a stone and he puts it on the the building he is already in process of building. Your stone is connected to all the other stones that have been placed. And the more stones that come are going to be stacked on you and surrounding you. And you're going to support stones and stones are going to support you. And all of the stones find their strength in coming together on the foundation of Jesus a stone that becomes separated from the other stones and a stone that becomes separated from the foundation is a weak stone that will crumble Paul is making it clear that Christianity is a community pursuit if you want to grow in love for God then you must be built on Jesus on the word and attached to others So every Christian around the world is a stone attached to Jesus. Us here in Chippewa, we're connected and joined to Christians all over the world. In Japan, in Morocco, in Iraq, all over, we're rooted and founded on the same thing. We are built up together, and one day when Jesus returns, we're going to see all of those family members, all those other cinder blocks together, those stones we've been built with. But the New Testament makes it clear that, you know, it's hard for us to really love that Christian who is 3,000 miles away. That's why God has given us what we call local churches, like this church, Chippewa Valley Bible Church. He's commanded Christians to live out this belonging and obedience to God in a smaller group, in a smaller family, where there are Christians who gather to preach and sing and fellowship and worship together. We're reading this book called Ephesians. This is not just saying to all the Christians who live in Ephesus, He's saying, no, I am writing this to the church that is located in Ephesus, a real church in a real city. This letter was written to a congregation of members who had elders and deacons, just like we do. God designed uh, the Christians to take their Christianity into local forms in local churches. He's brought us all into his family, but we all have our little smaller families to belong to until we reach heaven. So anyone who attempts... To be a Christian without belonging to a church does not really grasp the New Testament. Churchless Christianity is not Christianity. Most of the New Testament commands you read are to be lived out together in a church. Like forgive one another, bear with one another's burden, right? Um, If you go home then, you watch the movie Cast Away by Tom Hanks. He can't be kind to one another, He can't forgive one another. Why? Because he's the only one there. We are called to live out so much of this obedience together in a church that we are growing around, that we are committing to for years upon years. Because belonging to a church is not necessarily belonging to this building here, okay? Belonging to a church is belonging to a people. A people with feelings and hearts and callings, just how the cinder blocks attach Uh, to one another, and they hold each other secure, we do that relationally here in our church. We belong to one another because Jesus has put us as a block in this wall with all these other blocks. Even outside of Christianity, people long for this kind of belonging. I went to college in in downtown Chicago, and it was blocks away from one of the, um, the, the most violent neighborhoods in the country. It was called Cabrini Green. And we did some ministry with some, um, some of the kids there in Cabrini-Green, and I was talking to some of the teenagers there, and they were attracted uh, to the gang life in Chicago. Now, they knew the stuff that gangs did was absolutely wrong, and it could be life-threatening to them. But why were they tempted to join a gang? Because once they joined the gang in Cabrini-Green, they became a member of a family, and they always knew someone had their back. They got to belong to something bigger than themselves, and they were always going to be supported, and their family was always going to be supported. Even if they're doing wrong things, they had a people to call their own. It's unfortunate that at times that our churches don't live out this kind of belonging to where other groups make this more of a reality than we do. If you want to love God with all of your heart, join a church. Look how God designed this. Jesus is the foundation. On this Jesus on this Bible, all these Christians attached to each other and rely founded on Christ, right? Do you love Jesus? Do you want the weight of your life rested on Jesus? Then join a church. Because in a church, we all come together, linking arms, resting on Christ, and Him as the cornerstone can carry all of our burdens, all of our sin, all of our suffering, all of our sorrows, and we get to walk side by side on Jesus together. If you want to to love God, or as verse 21 says, grow in the Lord, you need to be attached to other Christians. And this metaphor to be a Christian on your own is not at all described in this passage. Paul did not call us farm silos. No, you are a stone, a building block built on the temple of God. First Peter talks about being living stones. So I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning. First of all, I want to encourage you Those of you who are members of a local church, like if you're a member of CVBC, you are one of the 214 members that make up this body. There are 213 other Christians who have agreed or what we call covenanted to you to walk on the foundation of Christ with you, caring for you, loving you, forgiving you, praying for you. There are 213 people who've officially declared, those are my people. They're like stones who have not just come up next to you, but they've cemented themselves to you. If you move, they move. That's encouraging. We've committed to Christ together, 214 members. But I also want to challenge some of you here from this text. There are some of you maybe who've been here for a a long time, and yet you've not maybe committed to being a member. You think, oh, it's just membership. It's just like joining Sam's Club or the Y but it's not. You are a block. Okay? Congratulations. You're a cinder block. If you bowed your knee to Jesus, you are saved. I'm not questioning your salvation. But what I want to ask you is, what is holding you back from cementing yourself to other Christians? A block stacked up is good. Good. It's better than not being a block or it's better than a block by itself, but if that block is not cemented and agreeing and in covenant with other blocks, I could walk up and push that down, and they'll crumble. But if we're cemented together, if you fall, I fall. Christ has called us to belong to each other. Just how Christ has said, I am with you and I'm going nowhere, we do the same thing here with our church membership. Don't be a loose block, but be held up by us and let us hold you up. Officially join our family here. Join a church. Officially says, I will stand with you and you will stand with me. It's a covenant. It's a promise on Christ. So I encourage you, if you've been here for a while, join our church officially. We're going to have a membership class in the next month or so. Come come find me after I'll get you on the list. And maybe for some of you... um, This might apply if you're not in the room right now, but I know many people are watching online or going to watch tomorrow. Um, Obviously, COVID messed up a lot of things. And a lot of it that it messed up on was causing us to be self-reliant. And I think there are some who have turned their Christianity uh, maybe into watching at home or in comfort. And can I challenge you that if it's a lot easier for you to stay at home and watch online and you think you're getting the full picture, to reconsider. Um, if you stay at home instead of gathering, that you're, you're not going to grow to the full maturity of Christ that he's called you to. Right? Because this, this in the room is a relationship, it's a people. And Christ is calling us to, to build up one another together and we can't build you up if you're home out, online. So to neglect the gathering of the church in person is unbiblical. Now, many of you I know have health concerns um, and you're not able to come. I understand that. I think that's okay. But if comfort is choosing, if you're choosing comfort over community, I think you're being unbiblical. Right, this is a family gathering. There's a reason why you don't do Thanksgiving on Zoom. We do it in person with the laughter, okay, with the joys, coming together after a year of sorrow. And we miss you, and you're missing out on us. So I want to encourage you. If you maybe you're going to find this later in the week online, come on Sunday and gather. If you want to know what a church is, verse twenty-one is a pretty good description. A church is a structure who's being joined together to grow into the holy temple of the Lord. Our gathering. Our belonging together in person produces holiness. So by belonging, you love God and look more like Jesus. Our belonging together produces greater love for God. And it happens together. Belonging to Christ together results in belonging to people. Now I want to look at the the rest of this passage in sermon. By talking about, okay, maybe you bought into the theory. If not, just go with me. But we're going to talk about how do we live out this belonging. If we're saved by Jesus into a people, how do we love this people well? How do we belong well to others? So we're going to look at how to live out your belonging. Look at verses 21 to 22 one more time. In whom in Jesus the whole structure... Being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. There we are, built into the structure, founded on Jesus. And in verse 21, it says, we are being joined together. And in verse 22, it says, we are being built together, actively together, being built and being joined. Dynamic relationship between the church and us. So how do we essentially support one another as we're walking on the foundation of Jesus? How do we care for one another in Christ? How do we help one another in Christ love God more? Because Paul in verse 22 says that by the Spirit we are built together to be a people who worship God. The more we allow the Holy Spirit to rule in our lives, in our church, the more joined together we become and the more we love God, right? We're not here just to pat each other on the back or to make social connections. We are here to belong to one another. Not just to have a contact or an association, but to belong. Like how a family member belongs to a family where he is claimed, and he is loved, and he is provided for, and he is protected and stood up for. Where he's always received with grace and love, even if he's fallen short. Where he's pushed to be more like Christ. Not just a handshake, but a belonging. This makes me think of um, a scene from the, the show West Wing that was on about 20 years ago. Um, the best show of all time, by the way. There's a character named Josh who goes through a traumatic experience and, and one of his friends and coworkers, Leo, comes up to him to try to comfort him and he tells him a parable. He says, imagine this, there's a guy walking down the street and he falls down a hole and the walls are so steep that he can't get out and a doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, hey you, doctor, can you help me out? And the doctor writes a prescription and throws it down the hole and he moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts, Father, I'm down in the hole, can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer and he throws it down the hole and he moves on. Then a friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me, can you help me out? I'm in the hole. And the friend jumps into the hole. And our guy says, are you crazy? Now we're both down here. And the friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. That's an example of belonging. We're not here for quick fixes. We're not here for sentimentality. We are here to jump in whatever hole you find yourself in and bring Jesus to you. And the thing is, we expect you to do the same for us because we're joined and built together. And almost all the New Testament describes how to do this, how to build one another up to love God more. A lot of the, the New Testament commands, we call them the one another's. You read through the New Testament letters, you're going to see the word one another a lot. right? Weep with one another, rejoice with one another, forgive one another, love one another. We are called to live out so much of our Christian life together in the church. And I want to look at one place where this is true in your Bible. So if you could flip over back to the left to 1 Corinthians 12 in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 12. If you want to know how to properly belong to one another and live this out, this text is going to help us. Uh, Chapter 12, verse 21 to 26, Paul here is comparing a church like ours to an actual body, like ears and feet and noses, right? Just how our bodies need arms and eyes and mouth, so too our church body needs all types of people for it to be built up properly. And we're to value and love each member of the body, no matter how weird you find it, how weird you find the member is. Look at this passage, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 to 26. which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Because if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Our job here is not to figure out which one of you is a hand or a foot or an ear. The point is that all members of the body are important and full of worth and honor, that each part of the body contributes to the health of the body. Each stone laid to the building matters. So are you doing what this passage says in appreciating and honoring and encouraging and caring other members that make up this beautiful church? There is no part of this church, a Chippewa Bible Church, that is unworthy Maybe with our own human bodies, we don't like certain parts of us, things we may try to hide or cover up, but the goal of every church member here is to not let any person in the church find themselves unhonorable. Each stone of the wall matters, and it is beautiful because each stone is connected to Jesus. And each stone God has placed here for your growth. Everyone here is not here just for Christ. They are here for you. And you are not here just for Christ, but you are here for them. And you might think, what does that person have for me? How can they do anything for me? No, that's not the way of of Christ. The way of Christ is saying, God, you have given this person to me for my benefit and for me to love and serve them. And in this text, in 1 Corinthians, in verse 25, it tells us that we are called to have the same care for one another, whether they are an eye or an ear or an elbow. Can you imagine how beautiful and godly a church like this would be if our default question when we walk into this room is to say, how can I care for this person, how Christ cared for me? Walking into the lobby thinking, how can I care for the people that God has given to me? And verse 26 is eye-opening to me because it says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all members rejoice. If one suffers, all suffer. The unity we are to have is that if one of you is in pain, we are in pain. As if part of my body gets hurt, the rest of my body feels hurt. So think about the Ephesians passage. If we are all blocks that are connected, this is true. What happens to one block on a wall cemented together happens to all the other blocks. If one is rejoicing, we share in the joy. If one is in sorrow, we share in the sorrow. So we should be for the other people we have covenanted to we should be there for them, that their sorrows and their joys become ours because we are the church of Jesus. So we are CDBC and what happens to you what happens to us. We are so connected in Jesus that your joys and your sorrows are ours. Jesus models this. You don't need to turn there, but back in Acts chapter 9, so Paul who wrote this, Paul used to be a bad man, who who was um, murdering and persecuting and causing a lot of pain to Christians. And he's walking down the road to Damascus, right? And Jesus says to him, he says, why are you persecuting me? Now this Paul or Saul, whatever name you want to choose, has never met Jesus before. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Why does he say that? Jesus is so unified with his people that when his people are persecuted by Saul, Jesus himself is persecuted. Jesus is so unified with his people that uh, he feels and goes through what they go through. We are so unified to Christ that we are never alone. And now we get to do this to one another. Your joys, your sufferings, your concerns are ours too. And in the last few months at our church, I think we've seen this in our, in our body. There have been deaths, babies in the hospital, and this church has rallied around people. Why? Because we belong to one another in Christ. We get to be Jesus to one another. And this also is hard because this actually requires you to share your suffering and your pain with other people. Even that painful stuff that you want to stay home with and sleep off and cry about or stay up at night anxious about, those sicknesses, those depressions, share those with your church. Let us suffer with you. What we often do is take our suffering and we hoard it like it's a treasure and don't let anyone in on it. But here we are to share the suffering and share the load and share the joy and belong to to each other. Um, A pastor in in D.C., Mark Dever, he once said this. He said, God will ask each member of the body, did you rejoice with the other members of the body when they rejoiced? Did you mourn with those who mourned? Christian, are you ready for the day on which God will call you to account for how you have loved and served your church family? That's convicting. So how do we do this at CVVC? I want to finish by giving you Two ways that you can practically belong to each other at CVBC. The first we're gonna call uh, you, you, you care for one another organically. Organically. What I mean by loving each other and belonging to each other organically is that it's not in your scheduled routine, but in your normal, personal, unplanned interactions with each other in the body, you walk into them thinking, How can I care for them? You have no idea what people are going through on Sunday morning when you show up, but are you at least ready to respond? If you walk into the church lobby and you realize someone needs care, that's on you. If someone sends out an email at church of, hey, pray for this, you pray for it and you send them an email back. Or you say yes to watching someone's pet when they're gone or shoveling their driveway. You weren't planning that a month ago, but you woke up thinking, how can I love and care for my church? Our text in Ephesians says that we are built up together by the Spirit. So as you as an individual are in the Word, as you're in prayer, as you're pursuing Jesus, the Spirit's going to bring people in this body to your mind, their needs to you, and our job is to organically, by the Spirit, take care of them. So are you in tune enough with the spirit? And are you in tune enough with this body to know how to belong to them? Sometimes it looks like pursuing someone here in a conversation or inviting them over to your house to be hospitable. Most of this is your posture. Do you walk around here at church looking to honor someone or care for them? So organically, let our first reactions be to love one another, to be thoughtful, to be kind, right? So when we leave this place in about, you know, 10 minutes here, What's your interactions out there? This week when you get a prayer email where someone comes to mind, how do you care for that person the way that Christ has cared for you? But the second way that we belong to each other, we're going to call it scheduled, scheduled ways. We do because we care about organization. We have certain ministries and programs in place where you can build this belonging. Scheduled ministries that you can be a part of to better belong. So let me just list a, a couple couple ones that came to mind. We do have a membership class. We have small groups. We have Bible studies, women's mentoring programs. We have men's triad programs where they read the Bible together. We have a Sunday night on the first Sunday night of the the month, a prayer meeting. We have quarterly family meals, which you can schedule in a couple weeks to come to. Scheduled, consistent ministries and events that make what our relationships closer for the sake of Jesus. If you're interested in those, It's going to be on you to take initiative. Go to the the welcome table out there, go to our website, call the church, talk to an elder or a leader, or talk to someone here who looks like they know what they're doing. But I believe you should be in some scheduled, disciplined relationship, a small group, a mentoring relationship, a habit where people are pouring into you. Because there's 250 people on a Sunday morning, do you have a smaller batch of people or a person? who you meet with regularly on your calendar, pouring into you from this church, who you are called to be with. So get in one of those. But also, I want to encourage you to get in some scheduled, disciplined, serving ministry. Part of belonging to each other is caring for another by sacrificing ourselves. Right? We have ministries here where people are laying down their time and their energy and their preferences to serve the body. Right now, there's people in kids' Sunday school and nursery who are teaching kids and taking care of babies so that you can be in here worshiping. Some of these service roles are visible. Some of them are not, like the 1 Corinthians passage. Some are honored really well. Some are not really thought of. Some are teaching Sunday school. Some are cleaning nursery toys on a Tuesday afternoon. Some are cooking church meals. And some are driving members to the doctor that no one knows about. And yet, each serving opportunity is our church belonging to each other. Nursery and cooking and teaching is caring for each other and promoting belonging. Again, be somewhere where you are serving regularly as well to increase that belonging. And the last thing I want to mention is um, if you want to love this body more, one thing that I have done, which has just, in, which has just increased my love for you all, is... Um, I meant to bring one up here with me, but I forgot. It was the the church directory. If you were here, you know, this last year, we took church directory pictures. Um, And it's not just for the sake of knowing who's here, but for the sake of putting a face to a name and praying for people personally. So every day I I pray through a couple of your faces um, and, and pray for you. And you know what that does? That makes my love for you grow even greater. My my thoughtfulness for you grow even more. So if you have one of those, maybe schedule it out and pray through it. If you don't have a church directory or you came since then, there are actually um, a calendar at the desk out there that you can pray for a couple names per, uh, per day. And I think in like 14 weeks, you'll pray through the whole church family. What that does is that brings someone else to the throne room of God. You care so much about someone else here that you bring them to God, the most important being on the planet. It's pretty cool. So friends, I mean this. This church here is, I feel like it's my, my lifeblood. Like I get so much joy and strength and life from a church. And I'm excited to belong here. And I pray this only increases for myself and for you that God unites us more and more together. That our love becomes such a reality. So in a moment here, I want to pray that this becomes reality. That we demonstrate our love for each other. And then we're going to have an opportunity to sing a song again. We don't just sing to sing. We sing a song to unify our voices together. We sing with one voice as one body to proclaim the name of Jesus that we walk upon. So we're going to pray. We're going to say amen at the end of the prayer to tell God we're all in this. And then we're going to sing as a unified church because we love God and we love people by belonging. Let's pray. Father, we pray that Chippewa Valley Bible Church will be a church that is built together into your dwelling place for you by the Holy Spirit, that being joined together, we grow together in holiness. Let this passage become a reality. Let us care for each other, suffer alongside of each other, rejoice alongside of each other. Let us be the living, breathing, Christ-like church you've called us to be. We love you, Jesus. We want this to be true for us. In the beautiful name of Christ, we pray. Amen.